Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We don't have the vocabulary to describe what you mean to us. God, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the sweetness that comes from knowing Jesus. The Bible says, taste and see. Taste and see. God, we want to taste. We've tasted. We've experienced your presence. We, we, where else can we go but to you? You alone have what only you can give. God, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for your presence in our midst. Father, we want to express our delight in you as we have decided to make this about what you're going to do in our lives come 2020. Lord, fill each and every heart with hope again. God, I pray, put courage within each and every child of God. Encourage your people. I pray your spirit be upon each life like never before. God, I pray your grace strengthen hearts all over again. That your word be hidden within each and every person here. God, I pray that Jesus be the most precious thing in our life like never before. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 and following. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. <laughs> Father, we pray now that as we transition ourselves to your word, would you bless again. Be with us for the remaining time of our program. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please. please stand. Today, I wanted to talk to you about something that I'm sure fascinates you as much as it has always fascinated me, and that is uh, I, I, could, I, could never, I could never get over and admire enough men and women, people, folk, who have this quality that I'm hoping to have more and more of, and that is this ability to focus on something and be about that thing until they accomplish it. Maybe you've seen this in athletics and sports. It, to be one of the best really requires you shutting out pretty much everything. Uh, to, to be, you, you name it. I don't care if they're in the water. 
<laughs> if they're on the track and or field or on the court or on the grass, you name it. To be one of the top, you, I already know before I ever learn anything else about you, I know how much you must have had to from the time you were probably six, 13, let's say, shut out quite a bit from your life in order to be that good at that one thing. Somebody say one thing, that one thing. Maybe if sports isn't your thing, uh, perhaps it's the area of instruments, or maybe it's, it's somebody who has a craft or two that they're noted for, not just by family, but the world. And everybody's being blessed by their contribution. But then you look at what it took for them to be able to be a virtuoso or to be able to excel at that thing. You realize they can't be good like that at a ton of stuff. There's a reason why they're only known for that one thing. It's because of their ability... And their decision, even more, at one point in time in their life to shut an awful lot out in order to focus in this one area. You know, what's interesting is uh, I know I just brought up examples of people that we admire, but to be honest with you, I wasn't born a Christian. So um, even as, a, even as just a, a non-Christian, as somebody who is caught up in all sorts of stuff or people you may know, maybe they're family, uncles, cousins, friends. People you just know who are just destructive with their lives, it could work the other way too, where with all of the family or the friends telling them what they wish they could tell them that would get in, that doesn't work, that's ruining their lives, it's amazing how you could be good at destroying your life. It's a, I've, I've, I've seen one person after another growing up who was good at that one thing. It just wasn't helping them at all, but it was one thing. So they shut out every good in order to pursue that one thing that was causing their life to just spiral downward and downward and downward until they had nothing to show for it. So it doesn't matter how you look at it. We're all more or less about one thing. But the question is, is it the one thing that God would have us to be about? You see, my prayer for myself and for this church and anybody hearing is that we would use this time of the year. Sometimes we need transition points. It doesn't mean you have to wait for a calendar year to come around like this to begin thinking in these ways, but why not? Why not? And so my prayer is, as Christians, is to be about a certain one thing, maybe like the one that Paul is about here in this text. Let me show you something, if I could, with the time that remains. Paul says, beginning in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul, at this point, in this particular epistle written to this Philippian church is unpacking what the Christian life is all about. And he's going off of his track record. Before he ever knew anything about Jesus, he knew something about religion. He knew something about, if you will, cultural Christianity. 
I know we're in the Bible Belt, and we're in the, the buckle of the Bible Belt in this area, and I think we could hear this a little bit too. And maybe if you're like me, who didn't come to Christ until I was in college, where I had all of the church around me and all of the Christianity around me, but it never got in me. You know what I'm saying? You and I need to hear something about how cultural Christianity is not biblical or real Christianity. It's not the one that God has for us. You see, when we talk about cultural Christianity, we're talking about a loose association with Jesus. You see, Christianity is a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Anything else would be religion. It's a list of do's and and don'ts. Paul knew that. In fact, Paul said, if anybody had room to brag, if anybody got started off boasting, I would be the first one probably. And I don't think anybody could come close to me and my track record. But if the truth be told, none of that really amounted to anything. In fact, I gave that up for something better, and that's Christ. You see, Paul was this one person who, who pursued God, who thought he was pursuing one thing, only to discover that if Jesus wasn't a part of that equation, it wasn't worth anything to pursue. He gave his life in the name of God, and he came to find out that all of that that he acquired did not at all have to do with what God wanted for him in his life. And so here he is. He's coming at this point in this chapter, and he's saying, you know what? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. For 2020, if it wasn't 2019, for 2020, my prayer for us is that Jesus would be that treasure above all other treasures. That nothing would come anywhere close in comparison to him. That even in all of our pursuits, as good as they may be, relationships, careers, professions, school, goals, and all of that, none of that would trump a devotion to Jesus and a pursuit of Jesus. And if any meaning is going to be found in that, it's going to be because I'm putting Jesus first in my life. You see, Paul had to learn this the hard way, kind of like me and maybe some of you. Paul thought he was going in a direction that pleased God only to discover, I had it all wrong. But because God was good, he found him where he was. And you know what the good thing about the gospel is? God didn't even wait for Paul to get it together. He found him on his path to living for himself. Somebody needs to hear that today, that God doesn't have to wait for you to get it all together before he starts pursuing you. Grace will come after you wherever you are. Grace found Paul, and he changed his life. How do we know he changed his life? Verse 8 tells us, Indeed, I now count, as over against before, everything in my life as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's a definition of a believer. He says, the way I know that I'm a Christian, the way that I know that if you pinch me, I'll say ouch, the way that I know that I'm the real deal now over against before is what I do with Jesus. He's not just some loose association that I got some connection with now. He's everything to me, so much so that it doesn't matter what you compare in my life to him, it'll never, 
it'll never come anywhere close. You see, until and unless I could come to that place in my life where God trumps, no pun intended, everything in my life, he's not where he belongs. He's not where he belongs. Yeah, God had a place in Paul's life. So what's the problem? So did everything else. But now that God got a hold of him, he says, look, I'm telling you God got a hold of me. Not because of some warm feelings inside of me. Not because of some, some, some internal experiences that are subjective to me. No, 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 no. I count everything in my life as a loss in comparison to the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I compare everything in my life as loss. You can tell he's been around Jesus. What did Jesus say in Luke 14? Anyone who comes after me must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Otherwise, he is not worthy to be my disciple. You see, Paul is at this point now where he's ready to pursue Christ because he's the one thing in his life now. I remember I tried to be a Christian as a non-Christian. I was this unsaved Christian, if you will. I, I didn't have terms for myself. And it was hard. It was hard to, to try to have Jesus in my life and everyone and everything else at the same time. And I was always torn. And I could never understand why this book wasn't meaningful to me. I could never understand why God or his people weren't interesting to me, and I could never understand why. I was never into this. It was always an uphill battle, just like a relationship I had to sort out not too long ago, not anyone here, where it was a struggle a couple of years ago, and we were trying to find out what is going on with this relationship, and they had reached me outside of the church because they were too embarrassed to deal with it at the church where they were at. And we come to find out that somebody else also has this person's heart along with another person and another person. And they realize after all of the truth eventually comes out, every piece started coming together. No wonder why this marriage wasn't getting the life and the focus and the energy and all that it takes to make a marriage meaningful and thrive because everybody else had the heart in this marriage that by the time that person got it, there was hardly anything left over. And I think there's something to that even in our spiritual relationship with God is, is when we try to enter into a covenant with God, but we also have all of these other covenants going on, it's, it should be no surprise to me why there's nothing left over. What God says is, if you want to truly experience the fullness of what is there in a relationship with me, it's got to just be me and you. It's got to be us. There can't be any rivals when I want to do what I want to do through your life. And Paul found that. He says, look, I've tried it now. Before, I used to not count everything as loss. I used to include it and God. That got me nowhere. Now look how far I've gotten. But some are thinking, Paul says, some are probably going to get me wrong and think, Paul's got it together. Paul must be that perfect Christian. 
Paul must be the one that we could never relate to. And he says in verse 12, look, not that I've already obtained this. Don't get me twisted. It's not like I've already obtained this, meaning perfection, full-on righteousness, full-on Christ-likeness. I'm not saying I've arrived. Not as if I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. You see, many of us, we start off on the Christian life encouraged, but then there are things that happen in our Christian life, like anybody's Christian life, that could be discouraging. And what ends up happening? We take our ball home. <laughs> and God's like, whoa, wait a second. It's grace. When I commended my love to you, I commended my love to you even while you were a sinner. It's not like I, I found anything in you that merited my love. Why would you want to go away afterwards? So Paul says, look, even though I haven't arrived, I may not be where I ought to be, but praise God, when I look back at my life, when somebody in here looks back at their life, I'm not who I once was. You see, Paul says here, instead, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You know what that language is? You don't get this easily. But what he's saying is, here I was living my life, going in this direction, doing my thing. Jesus came along like, like a child that's about to run into that street. And parents, you know how you're going to act, right? With cars coming down the street. You're not going to think to be careful. No, you're just going to grab that kid and bring them. Amen? In the same way, that's the language in the Greek. Jesus, Paul is saying, here I was, living my life, doing my thing, and Jesus, out of love, got a hold of me before I saw peril, before I saw the end of it. And he's saying, the same way I still remember Somebody needs to remember their conversion. Somebody needs to remember that night that God found them. Somebody needs to remember in here. That time in which you found God, Christ found him. He says, the same way that Jesus got a hold of me, I'm now, now that I'm a Christian, getting a hold of him. You see, one of the ways in which I know I got it, that the gospel got in, that the message stuck, is what am I doing with Jesus? So many of us have a picture of our conversion. Jesus says, you want to come with me? You interested? Are you tired of that? Is it over? I may have something better. We have an optional providing us different means. We don't have a Jesus that won us. We don't have a picture of a Jesus that rescued us from plight, from sin, from destruction. That had it not been for him, I wouldn't be here today. We don't have a big enough Jesus, a good enough Jesus, a gracious enough Jesus. We don't have a Savior that actually saved us. It's amazing. You probably know somebody. But even if you had to use your imagination, go with it. Imagine somebody who had another human being save them from any situation, a pool that they couldn't swim in, a lake that they were at that they had no business being in with a current that could kill, or in front of some sort of Mack truck, you name it. The degree of the seriousness of that deliverance is going to equate with the gratitude that that person will always have every time they see them. It's like, 
you don't know. I know I may have told you the story, but you don't know, you don't understand who this is. I wouldn't be here today were it not for him. You see, I think we've lost sight of the magnitude of our salvation, the greatness of our salvation, just what God did in Christ in saving us from wherever we were. Because when we do, there's no way in the world that I could just loosely pursue Jesus. I've got to go after him the same way he came after me. And Paul says, that's me. That's me. He says, I, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The reason why we go hard after God, the reason why we want to be Christians and faithful, the reason why we want to live for him is not to become Christians. It's not to earn anything. There's nothing we could do that could ever bring us into a right relationship with God. It's what God in Christ has already done. But grace doesn't just excuse us and call us, cause us to lull ourselves into our Christian life. Biblical grace, real grace, true grace, God's grace empowers us for righteous living. Grace not only pardons my sin, grace not only cleans the slate, grace not only removes my sin as far as the east is from the west, it not only brings me into a peaceful relationship with God, it empowers me, it enables me, it makes me want to be somebody I never imagined myself being. That's what grace does, God's grace. You see, brothers, pathway, Philippi, he says, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here it is. Some of y'all, are going to need to hear this. We're about to go into 2020, and you know your life, and you know where you're at. God's blessing is right there. God's favor is right there with you. His, his work is, is, is evident, but the one thing that's going to kill and harm him from being able to show up in ways that you want him is you driving within the rear view. You cannot afford to be looking behind at everything that's been going on. So many are struggling with guilt and with shame. And what you need to know is the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed all of your sin. What you need to know is if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things. Everything else that you, everything that you may have been at one time associated with. Whatever may have been true about you then is no longer true about you here, today, right now, because you're in Christ. You're in Christ. You've got to forget. Even Paul, the apostle, the man who wrote a third of the New Testament, had stuff he had to forget about. Amazing. You would think everything in his past is worth looking at. He's like, no, even me, even as a Christian, I gotta, there's some stuff i got to forget about. There's some stuff i got to forget about. Some of you feel guilty about that, like you're lying. No, you're not. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. And the, and the accuser is going to hold you in 2019 while you're trying to set foot into 2020. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night. But the same way they were able to overcome him then is the same way, pathway, you and I overcome him today. How's that? 
by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. They loved not their lives even unto death. The blood of the lamb. Yes, devil, it may be true. I may have thought that. I may well have said that. Yes, I went there. Yes, I did that. But you know what? God still saves. Jesus still forgives. There's still grace. You see, when he saved you and me, when he died for our sins, he died for our sins past, present, and future. Even what, I, even what I haven't even got caught up in tomorrow or Wednesday, whether it's in my head or in my mouth or in my life, is covered. I know that's scary doctrine for some people. It's covered. It's under the blood. This is where the confidence comes from to lift your head up high and to be a proud Christian in your God in knowing that my relationship, my status with God, how we're good is not based upon me and my performance, but what he already did. What God has already accomplished in his son for me, forgetting what lies behind. If I start remembering what lies behind, I'm showing disrespect toward the cross. What am I telling Jesus? So you mean my blood is insufficient? What you doing dwelling upon that? You mean I didn't cover it? You mean my death wasn't enough? It's not that strong? You, you saying I need to come again even for that? You see, we're always saying something. You want to give God glory? You want to go out with the shout and walk into your 2020 believing what God has for you? You've got to forget what lies behind and you've got to press forward, not to be about your own thing, but to be about his thing, his one thing, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's got to be about God, his purposes. And so my prayer right now and my plea to all of us is, I'm going to be praying for you all right now, is why not? What's standing in the way? What is there that you would see, that I would see, that Jesus couldn't do anything about. Friend, he's able. God is more. What's, what's impossible for you and me, it's never impossible for God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says that he'll never snatch you out of his hand. He'll never allow anything to snatch you out of his hand. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's present. He's an ever-present God. He wasn't just with you in 2019. He'll be with you in 2020. He's not just the same God then. He's going to be the same God today. But you've got to trust him. Don't live in your past. Your identity is not built upon who you once were. Your identity is built upon who you now are in Christ. Your past does not define you. What God says is what defines you. Who cares about what they say? Who cares about what they think? Who cares about the fact that they're still not on board with who you now are? Stop waiting for people and live the life that God called you to live. As long as you have his ear, that's all you need. As long as you have an audience with him, that's all you need. You don't need anybody else but the one who's loved you enough to send his son so that you might have a life that's eternal and a life worth living. But 
you got to lay hold of it. I press on to lay hold of it just as Christ Jesus pressed on to lay hold of me. If Jesus got a hold of you that firmly, that well, my job is, that's what I told him. I said, Jesus, I didn't deserve you pursuing me. I didn't deserve you coming hot after me in that way. Who am I? What am I? And yet you did? I'm just this person that has a a time span on this earth, and that's it. And yet you showed your love toward me in that way? Okay. I may have blown the first 20 years of my life and have given it to the devil, but I promise you this. I promise you this. If you allow me to live with the rest of my years on this earth, I'm going to spend them running hard after you. I'm going to spend them running hard after you with no looking back. World behind me, cross and Christ before me. I'm going to spend them hard, not with my own strength, but with the grace that you supplied me, not just in rescuing me, but giving me what I need to be able to run hard after you. The only way you're going to be able to run hard after God is if you understand how he ran first after you. God's after somebody here. Let me ask you if we could stand. I want you to pray together with me a prayer. You know where you're at better than anybody else. God's having his dealings with people's lives. Some of you have have had, you know, you're thinking, you know what, my life is more that cultural Christianity you were talking about, not following Jesus every day. It's like, I'll point to my mother, I'll point to a a praying grandmother, I'll point to a a dad who was a pastor, or a a grandpa who was a a leader, or a missionary, I'll point to a church I used to belong to, or a Bible I own, or, you know, you're always pointing to things outside of you, but there's nothing real inside of you. You have this loose association with Christianity. There's nothing genuine. There's nothing authentic. There's nothing going on inside when that's what God came for. And my prayer for you is that before you leave today, that's what God would deliver. Because that's what Christianity is all about. Jesus wants in. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man comes and opens, I will enter in and fellowship with him or her and they with me. Jesus wants to have, remember, fellowship, relationship with you, not just a list of do's and don'ts. He wants you to know him where it counts. That's where everything begins is when you know God for yourself, where your testimony is not riding off of somebody else's testimony, but you've got your own testimony to tell. You yourself have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But this is you and God right now. This is you and God right now. And you've got to make that connection. You may ask me, how do you do that? By simply acknowledging, number one, where you're at at the moment. Where you're at right at the moment. I may know where a church is. I may be connected with Christian people. I may know how to attend services. I may own a Bible. 
But that's about it. I don't have a genuine relationship with God where my life is different as a result of him now in the picture. So the first thing is you need to acknowledge where things are at right now with your life and how God is not a part of it the way he deserves to be. That's number one. And the second thing is you need to acknowledge that you're incapable of being the solution to your problem. That you're inadequate and incapable of being the solution to your problem. The first one. That's two. And the third thing that you need to do is you need to be prepared to recognize that Jesus alone is adequate. That Jesus alone is enough. That what who Jesus is and what Jesus actually did is enough to deal with your problem. But it's not enough to just say that he's enough or believe that he's enough. You need to trust in him. I could have a stool up here and I could say, yeah, yeah, it, it holds people. Yeah, it's good. It works. Yeah. But until and unless I sit on it and put allow the weight of my body to be on that stool, it's just theory. The Bible says even the devils believe that God exists. Even the demons believe. And so the only way I could get out of the category of devils is by putting the full weight of my life into the hands of the one who gave it in the first place. Which really shouldn't be asking for much, right? I know it sounds weird, but it's like, that's our problem. What should have been normal, like the air we breathe, it's like we're getting back to our maker. It's, our lives are, have been in our hands for so long, we don't realize that. that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And so I want to invite you right now, instead of just looking at that chair, Jesus, yeah, 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 it holds people up. I want you to now, right now, in faith, wherever you are, don't worry about anybody else, in faith, I want you to say, God, I take the weight of my life, my hopes for it, my dreams for it, my expectations from it, I take my life, the full weight of it, and I place it in your hands. Jesus, I recognize that you are a perfect Savior, and I am not. That you came to seek and to save the lost, of which I am one of them. God, I want you. I want to belong to you. Not just in some loose way, in a real way. Would you save me? Would you save me, God? I believe in you. My life from this point onward is in your hands, no longer in my hands. I wish to now live from this time onward for you and for only you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, and that's a prayer that you've prayed for the first time, Maybe you've prayed something like that, but you're realizing, you know what? You didn't mean anything back then and there. This is the first time that you've attached meaning to that prayer, where it really came from the heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the close of this service. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make this about anything else. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. And if you wish to meet me and to make that decision meaningful and to be prayed with and encouraged and supported, we're going to be here with you and for you. Amen?
Father, I pray at the close of this service, I ask, Lord, for your peace and for your grace to be with this congregation. Lord, as we go our separate ways, I pray that you would never leave, that you would go on to continue to be with your people, bringing comfort, bringing hope, bringing strength to be able to live each and every day that you allow them in. Lord, be with this church. Thank you for each and every one. Thank you for a new year that awaits us. God, we give you all the glory because you're worthy. In Jesus' name. And everybody, if we could just give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Please meet and greet. Happy New Year.